Etchings, a Ferrochrome podcast. In her image. One summer, when I was around 25, I landed a very interesting job. I was to be an apprentice assistant to an art director on a major motion picture called Yocasta, starring Sophia Loren. It was a difficult job as this art director spoke in very abstract language. And so I would meet him for breakfast in a cafe every morning and he would describe the props I was to buy. I madly wrote notes on my paper placemat as he described his vision of the 1880s Tennessee set he wanted to create. I was to buy all the props and help with the set dressing. As it happened, he went up to the interior of BC to the set location and left me here alone in Vancouver to try to find all the props he had decided we needed. I slowly turned my apartment into a gigantic art studio. He was using a Degas theme for Yocasta, and luckily I understood his abstract vision. When I was hired by him, I got to compare a film that I had loved called Sundays and Sibel, and I had related to him that it reminded me of Seurat's pointillism. So that was the reason that he hired me. I used to go to all the antique stores around town and one morning found myself scooting down to Gastown in my VW Beetle to Joe Davis's antiques to try to locate an old wicker bassinet and antique doorknobs and such. I parked my car and was headed down to Joe's shop when out of nowhere this beautiful man crossed the street nearby me. He looked like a foreigner as he was dressed in khaki clothes and wore an unusual hat. He was very handsome but I just made my way into the shop. I browsed around a while among all the wonderful antiques and told old Joe Davis what I was looking for. He knew the art director, Keith, that I was working for, so he was more than willing to help me. Suddenly I heard the phone ringing behind me and old Joe answered and called to Stephen that the phone was for him. Stephen was the beautiful stranger from the street. He had actually entered the shop and was now talking on the phone right behind me. He had a strong English accent and I overheard him answer the phone as Dr. Stephen Jones. Shortly after this, Joe Davis turned and asked Stephen to take me down to the basement to look for the wicker bassinet and some of the props I had mentioned. We climbed down the rickety stairs and searched around in the dusty, bleak, dark basement but came up with nothing. I couldn't believe I was alone with this man. I could actually feel my heart speeding up and felt short of breath. We climbed back up the stairs and washed our hands and, and then Stephen the stranger invited me out for lunch. I would never have accepted as I was working, 
but thought it might be okay. Just this once, as my boss Keith was up on the set in the interior of British Columbia. And thus began one of the great love stories of my life. Stephen took me to a lovely Italian restaurant in Gastown, and I learned he was a British anesthetist, just back from the Vietnam War. He had decided upon returning to his home in Liverpool to give up being a doctor for a while and dabble in antiques. The real reason, as I was to find out, for this temporary switch in professions was because his engagement to a British consulate's daughter had suddenly dissolved and he was healing a very broken heart. Her name was Jenny and she had worked with him down in Vietnam, but she was a British citizen. We had our lunch and then we went our separate ways. He took my number and I did hope I would see him again. I went about my business for the following days, not hearing a word from him, but not able to get him out of my mind. He was very charming and sad all at the same time, and I was smitten. A few weeks later, we reconnected and started seeing each other regularly. One hot day, he decided to move in with me. We moved his few belongings from his humble hotel to my apartment on a hill overlooking the sea. I was young and naive and just let him take charge of everything. He rearranged my furniture, insisted I read Evelyn Waugh and made me play my piano for him. He used to love to play Concierto de Aragonese, Julian Bream's album over and over. As the weeks passed, I slowly began to realize that he was trying to recreate his lost love, his fiancée Jenny, through me. He wanted my hair worn in a certain style and wanted me to wear certain conservative clothes, black dresses. This was so not me, but I went along with his charade. One afternoon, I found him surrounded by orange peels on my bed and engrossed in a ridiculous American TV show, and I had had enough. I remember wanting to have a bath and locking the door for privacy. The longer I knew him, the more I felt him taking over my psyche. I remember my friends would call and I would be too busy to see them. During that summer, I hardly ever saw any of my friends. The film Yocasta that I was working on was cancelled due to financial problems, so I was free most days to go to Wreck Beach and hide from Stephen. Sometimes he would join me at the beach, but mostly I would find solace by being alone there. Stephen was a bit of a scoundrel. I remember going with him to listen to my brother's band at a pub in Gastown. The band's name was Spent Youth and my brother had brought his girlfriend along. She sat with us and Stephen flirted with her and then asked her to dance and left me sitting all alone at our table. 
A few moments later, a tall, attractive man with a North of England accent asked me to dance. We danced near Stephen on the floor for just one song. And at the end, Stephen came over and put his arm around me and said to the Englishman, I've been dancing with, she's with me. Well, the guy was huge and he hauled off and hit Stephen so hard, he knocked him out. His face was bleeding and cut open, so we raced off to emergency. After the stitches and all the drama, we headed back home and Stephen said this was all my fault for accepting a dance with the guy. I mean, what a chauvinist, what a double standard. Stephen was working here on a visa and it finally ran out. As deep as my love for him was, and looking back, I do remember such beautiful times, it was not meant to be. He went back and forth from Liverpool to Vancouver, but eventually I met someone else and moved on. One day I opened the Sun newspaper and there was Stephen's picture on the cover of the second section. He had bought Queen Victoria's bloomers and was bringing them to auction here in Vancouver. This was Stephen creating a dramatic, unusual event. At this time I was living happily in a new relationship. But when I saw his picture in the paper, I just had to see him. I scouted down the reporter from the Sun and somehow found out how to contact him. I just had to see Stephen. So we arranged a lunch and I met him downtown. So there we were with a bottle of wine and me living with another man. I felt so terribly guilty that I excused myself in the middle of the meal and bolted out the back door, jumped in my VW and scurried home like the guilty bad woman I was. I eventually got over Stephen, but many years later at my best girlfriend's home in Saanich one rainy summer's evening, we did a Google search for Dr. Stephen Jones and I wrote him a note inquiring about his life. Several days later, I received an email reply. It read, Re long time ago in the subject line. Then, thoughts upon a message. Better forget and feel no more. For memory proves the loss of days that went before and love and love leaves echoes on the line. I knew her once, and once that love was mine. He just sent this simple poem with no further inquiries into my world now. I will never forget that chapter of my life as it was rich with all that comes with great love. The pain, agony, despair, happiness and richness. Stephen is now the head of a hospital in Blundell Sands near Liverpool, England. And I still have all the rich memories of that time in my mid-twenties, back in the late 1970s in Vancouver. Etchings, part of the Faircrumb Podcast Network.